and it goes like this. Welcome back to True Crime Trine. It's a podcast where the planets align in some sort of order, and three <laughs> plus or minus one friends talk about true crime, astrology, and any other weird bullshit they can fit into this podcast. We are your hosts, Hannah, Sarah, Meredith, and Andrew. Yay! Our second special guest appearance. Definitely a minus. Yay! <laughs> oh. We're at a four at the moment. We'll be fine. It's episode 63, I believe. True, true trying square. True crime square. True trying square. <laughs> I can't. I cannot. I've already Is this been a drinking. math podcast? No. Okay. Every time it turns to math, we quickly change the subject. <laughs> yes. We We're don't scientists. math. We, we sometimes biology. Yeah. But we don't math. <laughs> we don't math here. Perfect. For a reason. I do a podcast with Andy. Plans are optional. Same podcast I do with Marty. This is our second plans are optional crossover. And basically, Andrew just begged to be on it. Welcome. So we let him come. <laughs> yeah. No, there, there's, I don't remember what it was, but it was a perfect opportunity to use the leverage to get on this podcast because I'm pretty sure you get more listeners than us. So really, this is an advertising opportunity. That's true because I advertise TCT on <laughs> Plans are optional all the That's time. That's wasted effort, Hannah. So I've already hit that audience pretty hard. Yeah, all five of them. <laughs> I like uh, that PAO also just like has its own little phonetics. Like pow. pow. It's kind of like its own little sound. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to read pow. it like that from now on. Welcome to pow. No. <laughs> pow. Welcome to pow. Anything you want to add, Andy, or do you want to learn? I want to learn. I don't know if I'm capable of learning. I wrote but... this specifically for you. Oh, well, good. We're all stoked. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> don't worry about it. There's some dumb parts. What if he already knows all the ins and outs? Oh, shit. I don't know. Well, first <laughs> of all, any housekeeping? Pow. Pow, pow. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> no housekeeping from me. I do have one thing to say. Annie's already heard this. Apparently the worm ranch has fucking closed. Oh, and no. And I've been mourning. <laughs> The what is closed? The worm ranch in Walla Walla that made the really good burritos that I've talked about two episodes in a row now doesn't even exist anymore. It's so sad. Wah, wah. If you want to listen to that in real time. Listen to our episode this week, whatever number it is. Yeah, I don't know numbers anymore. (laughs) We got like two. We're in the triple digits. It's too hard to keep track of. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, I guess you could still go visit Walla Walla, but it's missing a part of its soul. Oh, that's sad. I grew up in Walla Walla, and I never went to the Worm Ranch. I've I've always heard about it, Fucking but not once did me. I ever stop in and have it. <sighs> Even when you found out it was gone, I think I accidentally called it the Wormhole. You did call it the Wormhole, <laughs> and I called it the Worm Farm because I forgot what it was called. Isn't a, f- a Worm Farm like the Body Farms? Oh, I didn't know they were called a Worm Farm. I guess there's worms. Isn't it just dirt? I guess a Worm so. Farm. <laughs> yeah, my dad did farm worms. He had like a whole little trough with them and everything. I'm thinking of starting a compost pile. Maybe I can get some worms. Yeah. Don't put meat in it, though, because then you'll get beetles. <laughs> I almost <laughs> never eat meat. It's not really a problem. Okay. Carrying beetles, though? Because I yeah. have a, if Scott gets a head on pig for my goodbye goodbye party, then I'll have a skull to clean off. That's true. Just take it to the entomology department. I'm sure they'd have oh, fun with fuck, it. I should. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> this spiraled. <laughs> 
Hoofta, hoofta. All right, so this is going to be TCT's first foray into cryptozoology. Yay! And I'm so excited, and you guys better keep an eye on me because I can see myself going real deep into this topic. Okay. Love it. Cryptids are fun. Okay, hold Love on. Love it. I understand zoology. What's cryptozoology? Crypto means hidden. So it's all the zoology of all of these cryptids, which are things like Sasquatch, which we'll talk about today, the Chupacabra, the Loch Ness Jersey monster. Devil, the Loch Ness mm-hmm. Monster, all fall into the category of cryptid and are studied by some cryptozoologist. You ever heard of the Bat Squatch? Bat Squatch? Does he have wings? It's in the book. Yeah, yeah, that's one That's one of those things I didn't learn until about, you know, maybe a decade ago, but oh it's a Sasquatch with wings. Oh, fuck. See, I didn't actually put that in the script, so, like, Andy's already brought something for us. Wow. Sweet. That sounds like the thing of nightmares. That's, like, halfway to Mothman. <laughs> oh, Almost, well, yeah. I might also have a little talk about that, too, guys. Okay. Do you guys touch on kaiju here? Is this also part of your core theme? Okay, I don't know what that is. Well, Mothman, like, Godzilla, big oh. monsters. Oh. I guess I've just stayed mostly American with my monsters. I need to branch out. Yeah, you really should. International. Okay. It would be a fun episode. International monsters. Well, I just bought a book called American Monsters, so I kind of shut myself in. (laughs) 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 All right. So today, our cryptid of choice is Sasquatch, which I'm doing because Andy- Predictable. Well, Andy, you just- (laughs) Have Sasquatch in your Instagram handle. You're a forest man. It just makes sense. It's fair. Mm-hmm. I can't argue any of these facts. I'm a logical person. So, apparently, Bigfoot is the most common name applied to this cryptid. I'm going to swing wildly between using Sasquatch and Bigfoot because so did all the articles I read. As long as you're not using Yeti or Chewbacca, I think you're fine. So then what is a Yeti? Is a Yeti like an alpine? Or like a, not alpine, a, 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 a northern age- circle... North Asian type of thing. It's a polar squatch. Okay. <laughs> polar squatch. <laughs> Are there Antarctic squatches? That's what's in the middle of Antarctica that like... No one can get to. Kill those explorers. Yeah, because they just keep getting mauled. It wasn't starvation. It was the Yeti of Antarctica. Let's see here. The name Sasquatch was first used in a 1929 newspaper article titled, quote, Introducing BC's Hairy Giants. <laughs> The author of this article was a teacher named J.W. Burns, who had picked up a new hobby where he went around and talked with the First Nation tribes, mostly in British Columbia, about their legends and their myths. So it turns out that most of the tribes did have a legend about a wild, hairy, giant man in the woods. Each tribe had its own name for these creatures, but the names were all fairly similar on some variation of... I didn't say that right, but whatever. But that means wild men among the indigenous tribes of that region. And Mr. Burns, I guess, went kind of white here, just smushed them all together and made up the word Sasquatch. That's efficiency. That's where Sasquatch came from. (laughs) Okay. This legend has popped up all over the United States and Canada. And if we call through old newspaper articles, we get a fun list of names, some that are quite descriptive, that were used before the adoption of Bigfoot slash Sasquatch. And these names include the witch rabbit, the party <laughs> geeho, the apple creature, apple creature, apple creature, the goblin damned, okay, the snarly yow, <laughs> the snarly <laughs> yow, yow, not it's like pow. He, like, it's like he stubbed his toe. <laughs> the snally gaster, the, the <laughs> laughing, 
Poparina, <laughs> the eel poot, and okay. my personal favorite, the cabbage head man. Cabbage head. Okay. Strong runner for first right there. So I, I don't know if you're getting into this later on. But all those names, do they appear before Sasquatch in 1929? Not necessarily. My next paragraph actually goes into that. Oh, never mind. I'm out. Not necessarily, but now it's pretty much Bigfoot Sasquatch. We have a nomenclature. Well, as Andy asked, I do think it's safe to say that not that many people actually read Introducing BC's Hairy Giants article, and it probably didn't help that, despite the fact that Mr. Burns was quite serious about this topic, the article was published on April Fool's Day. So, oh. <laughs> a newspaper fucking got him. Oh no. So, Jerry Crew, a logging company bulldozer operator in Humboldt County, didn't have the nomenclature to describe what he saw in the Six Rivers National Forest in 1958. Also, Jerry Crew is a great name for a guy that's on a crew of a logging company. So Jerry had come across a set of large human-like footprints that measured 16 inches long and 7 inches across. Wow. Wow. Large. 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 Jerry told some of his co-workers about what he had seen, and many of them claimed to have seen similar tracks at other job sites, as well as odd incidents where extremely heavy equipment was moved overnight for no discernible reason. At this point, the loggers started calling this mysterious entity Bigfoot. Because it's got big feet. <laughs> Do you think Sasquatch just wanted to be a logger? Maybe. I feel like it, it definitely has a love of trees. It's a giant Lorax. You can still love them and replant them. Yeah, he's a yeah. giant Lorax. Maybe he just wanted to try the equipment out. <laughs> like, man, this looks so much more efficient than what I'm doing. Imagine the <laughs> right? nest I could build all this, this way. I gotta rip it out with my bare hands. Paws? <laughs> hands. I'd say oh, hands sure. if he's human. Hands. There's hands. Uh, okay. opposable thumbs. They're hominids. There are opposable thumbs. That's true. All right. Biology. <laughs> we get into it. All right. Initially, Jerry thought it was a prank. But after he came across another set of tracks, he contacted a reporter at the Humboldt Times newspaper. And so, Giant Footprints Puzzle Residence Along Trinity River was published on October 5th, 1958. And the general public was introduced to the Bigfoot. And so this story quickly became a sensation and spread across the United States. This is probably the real nexus of when Bigfoot actually got into the public consciousness. This article was published with a photo of Jerry Crew holding one of the plaster casts of the footprint that he had made, which I will put on the website. I'm actually working on the website, guys. And Jerry uh, refused to smile for the photographer, saying, quote, If I did, then someone would accuse me of trickery. Okay. It's a very serious It's a very serious article subject. And, yes. I'm a little disappointed in myself that I'd kind of forgot about this whole backstory of Sasquatch, so I did not use my opportunities to visit Humboldt County over the last year to their fullest. So, so many regrets. Ragrats. <laughs> uh, so, in 2002, the family of Jerry's deceased co-worker, Ray Wallace, said that their father had been secretly making the large footprints with wooden molds. But that is boring, and I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> also, please note that a reporter interviewed the local Hoopa tribe who said, quote, we call him Oma, which means okay. something like wild man creature in their language. Does Oma mean grandmother in some language? I think German and other Germanics. Well, hold on. Have you guys ever seen Stargate? No. No. Man, you managed to get Stargate in here pretty early. Stargate needs to get everywhere, <laughs> all right? If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But at one point, there's this character named Oma, which means mother in that language. That's all. 
makes sense. Criminal Minds is going off Netflix at the end of the month, so maybe I should watch something new. It will last you so long, and you'll be so happy for it. <laughs> I need some happiness. So, uh, the Hoopa tribe said, quote, only a Hoopa can appreciate the full meaning of the word. So I guess it's something about how Inuits have a hundred words for snow or something. Yeah. And then another Hoopa said, quote, an older man revealed that his grandfather had told him that there were many such creatures until white men prospecting for gold along the Klamath, Trandy, and Salmon rivers in the 1850s drove them away, as we do. Now for a super random Fresno corner, just because it, <laughs> it happened to happen. In 1895, the Fresnoans were being terrorized by a 2,000-pound grizzly bear that they had named Bigfoot. Oh, no. And Bigfoot was killed in 1895 after 15 years of killing the livestock and terrorizing the residents. Is this like wow. a verified fact? Did they weigh this bear? Oh, hmm, maybe. I bet they fucking did. After 15 years, they shot it. They want to know what it's all about. That's like a yeah. displaced Kodiak. That's crazy. It's just yeah. 2,000 pounds seems like a lot. Yeah. It's a big boy. I mean, males are, what, on average 600? This must be inflation. <laughs> yeah, back then, 2,000 pounds is like <laughs> I can't picture volume in my head very much, so I didn't realize that it was that large. A male polar bear is about 990. And those are like the biggest bears out there. Maybe it was like three They needed to have calibrated together. their scale. I've had cars smaller than that. <laughs> Well, Prius, yeah. highly successful as a bear. They needed to have calibrated their scale. <laughs> well, who knows what measurements they were getting for gold. Well, so much yeah. for Fresno Corner. Uh, that, that was all we had for Fresno Corner. That sounds but, like um, a lot of lies. Okay, um, sorry. Fresno Corner. In 1960, <laughs> there was a 12-foot tall Alaskan polar bear that was shot, and it is the heaviest recorded bear and weighed 2,210 pounds. Holy that's yeah. a How does it even move? Probably with legs. They typically aren't 12 Shut foot up. tall either. They're usually about eight feet tall, which is still f- fucking massive. But this one, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was like some of that hybrid vigor going on. If it was like a, the product of reproduction between like a, a polar bear and a Kodiak or something. Who knows? It's definitely possible. More it's plausible an anomaly. now. Really it's an anomaly, but it's possible. Beagles that can't get up the stairs. <laughs> Like, but like, put all the pounds. Hybrid vigor, though, like with ligers being bigger than True. either tigers and lions. So I don't think that works for donkeys, though. But anywho, <laughs> mules are bigger than donkeys. Honestly, there will never be a mule corner on this podcast. I don't know <laughs> no mules. mules. This is the closest Poor we mules. ever got to a mule corner, and I was here yeah. for it, and I appreciate that. Moscow mules, on the other hand. Oh yes. Alrighty, so that's enough of Fresno. Let's go back to the Pacific Northwest is considered to be the home territory of the Sasquatch, and about one third of all the sightings take place in the Pacific Northwest. But giant hairy man-like creatures, not necessarily known as the Sasquatch, because there is some like regionalism happening as well, but they have been sighted in the Great Lakes region. So Sarah, keep an eye out when you go to Michigan. Cool. Pennsylvania, for some reason, a lot in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and the southeastern United States. What, what's it called in the southeast U.S.? It's something skunk like... Skunk ape. Skunk ape, yeah. Skunk ape. Yes. The smelliest <sighs> version of the hairy man-like ape-like creature. You know, it's humid down there. That's, That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Give a Sasquatch a break, man. Jesus. They don't have access to razors or deodorant. 
I would become a Sasquatch if you took me to Florida. <laughs> You'd just be like, I don't even care. I'm not going to shave anymore. I'm too hot to care, man. <laughs> uh, so, what the fuck is a Bigfoot slash Sasquatch? Well. Slash witch rabbit. Slash ill poot. <laughs> ill poot. I like that one the best, I think. <laughs> that was actually really good, too. But um, I got a new book. So, Cryptozoology A to Z has the answer for us. And the Bigfoot is described as a bulky and stocky creature with an enormous barrel chest and a humanoid-like bearing. And when mature, the Bigfoot can be as tall as 9 to 10 feet. It has a small pointed head, perhaps with a distinct sagittal crest, with no neck or forehead. Those are gone. Its (laughs) eyes are small, round, and dark. And the face is light in youngsters and dark in older individuals with a heavy brow ridge don't you have to have a forehead to have eyebrows you can still have eyes but like this not like the forehead. this but like if it's a pointed head kind of like a gorilla it just kind of ends at the eyebrows and then immediately starts going up into the maybe hairline. it's a normal brow ridge but because there's no forehead it just oh, looks right. pronounced <laughs> that could actually be very true because the rest of the head just fades away all right the hair covering is shaggy and there is no difference between body and head hair All of it is relatively short, with darker colored hair younger ages that transitions into a red-brown color in adulthood, with some evidence of silvering of the fur in older specimens. Like a silverback gorilla? Exactly. The red-brown, I always thought it was like Mm black-brown. Red-brown is like, ooh, okay. I just want to say that's entirely too descriptive- of like something that's never been seen. There have been sightings. There have been sightings, but, sightings, but no, like, but like uh, if you, there's been sightings, how do you know how old it really is? I don't know. Size, they look Size, older. Like you can tell a hair. youngster because they don't have as many wrinkles, maybe. They complain about arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> I heard this slower one. moving. Like, get off my lawn. <laughs> Honestly, though, that could just be a regular middle-aged 30-year-old like it myself, who's also a complainer. <laughs> it's not an accurate <laughs> ID of age. The Sasquatch seems to be a mostly solitary creature that is protective of its territory. You're really going to hate this fact. It might not be a fact, but it has been estimated that there is one Sasquatch for every 100 black bears and that a single male inhabits and defends about a thousand square miles. So they are <sighs> sparse and spread out. I believe that. I mean, yeah. I work in the woods and I've, you know, throughout my time, say 10 years of working, I've seen probably about 10 black bear. And zero Sasquatches. So you need to see 90 more black bears to potentially see a Sasquatch. Yeah, that's how the math works. I thought this wasn't a math podcast. You're still working towards <laughs> it. Well, have you reported feeling as if you were being watched while you're in the forest? Oh, you always get that feeling. Well, it could be the Sasquatch. No, that's just because you creep yourself out. <laughs> With stories about the Sasquatch. Well, I mean, it's probably a chipmunk watching you when you have like that feeling. Which is of, like, also frightening. Why me. would a chipmunk be watching me? That intently? Because like, they're like, much. I have to wait until this human passes to be able to continue eating my seeds and nuts All right, fair. so that I don't get eaten because you're much bigger than it. So, it's so like I'm scared you. of chipmunks. I'll admit it. <laughs> fair. <laughs> I'm scared Small of anything that's in the forest that I can't see that I know is watching me. Would you rather fight 100 chipmunk-sized Sasquatch or one Sasquatch-sized chipmunk? <laughs> Moving on. Hey! All right. Well, let's go back to feeling creeped out in the forest. Creeped out. I'm scared as chipmunks. I don't like things watching me. Yep. I was going to say cougars and mountain lions, right? Because oh, they stop mountain you lions in are the terrifying. woods. Mm-hmm. No, that's a hopeless cause. You can't be scared of those. They'll just get you. 
I guess that's true. You gotta just resign to your fate. Yeah, like a chipmunk, I might be able to defend myself, but a cougar, no way. <laughs> might. Might. Okay, so the whole lizard brain thing, right? We've said this before, too, on other episodes of like, listen to your gut, because your body and your brain picks up on like tiny little minutia that you don't really actually think about. And sometimes mm-hmm. your body knows before you actually do, before your brain does. And so, I don't know, if you're feeling like you're in the middle of the forest, you're all alone, you have no protection, and you feel like something's watching you, get the fuck out. It doesn't work that way, though. Like, sometimes you still have a job to do. I have to work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you have, like, a pocket knife? I don't know. Yeah, 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 like... Like an axe? You got something. Yeah, I'll be fine. Bear spray, pocket knife. Go into the forest prepared. (laughs) I think bear spray should work on the chipmunk. Yeah, bear spray will also work (laughs) on a chipmunk. I sure hope so. Well, if rocks start being thrown at you from inside the forest, you might be in the presence of a Sasquatch. Oh, shit, they throw things. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Some resort to less drastic means, and so rock clicking and wood knocking are commonly reported when people are feeling creeped out in the woods. Other other reports have described large limbs being shaken. (laughs) Yay. And small trees that have been bent, uprooted, or stacked in patterns that could be territorial markings. A group of amateur Bigfoot researchers claim to have discovered a collection of nests. Did actually say where? But they did call in um, some primatologists to examine the nest, and the conclusion was that they appeared to have been made by a primate. Which could was be their hair? a human. It, yeah, it could be a human nest. <laughs> was it in Mason County, Washington? This one didn't actually say where it was. We have an industrial landowner who is... A Sasquatch fanatic, and he swears to Jesus that he discovered <laughs> Sasquatchness on multiple properties that they own. And he's offered to like show me, and at some point I will go down and I will see mm, just this sounds for like the experience my hand of it. Modeling story, Meredith. No, <laughs> no, I, I know this particular person, he's not a stranger. Okay. <laughs> so hold on, like a Sasquatch nest, they don't lay eggs, do they? No, but like they'll they'll create like a bed down nest. Yeah, so like other primates will do this where they kind of break branches around so that kind of cushions them from the ground and like protects them from weather. Then why don't we why won't we just call it a bed? Why is it called a nest? Because sometimes it actually like covers them a little bit more. I don't know. They're nesting. They're round shaped, made of sticks. That is a nest. You call it a, ra- a rat's nest, and they don't lay mm-hmm. eggs. That's how you describe hair. Oh, yes. <laughs> or the Rat King, which is another good cryptid. Oh, God. So, there are also alleged vocalizations, mostly high-pitched whistles, howls, screams, grunts, and moans. Some of these recordings have been analyzed by retired U.S. Navy cryptologic linguist Scott Nelson, and he has stated that the... Sierra Sounds, which is a series of audio recorded in the Sierra Nevada mountains in the early 1970s, are, quote, definitely a language, it's definitely not human in origin, and it could not have been faked. Why do we trust this guy? He's retired. He's retired. (laughs) He didn't get fired. Yeah, but, like, 
Oh, this guy's just having a good time. Why do we trust him? We want to have a good time, too. Okay. The most well-known story of a Bigfoot encounter comes from a British Columbia man who came forward in 1957 to describe an incident that happened to him in 1924. Albert Ostman had been out surveying the head of the Toba Inlet and had had a normal day before he went to sleep for the night. He woke up to his sleeping bag being gathered up with him inside of it and then walked for miles. Oh, Jesus. And when he was finally dumped out of the sleeping bag, he found that he was in a cave and the captive of a family of giant ape-like creatures. Oh, I thought they're no. normally solo creatures. They do have family units occasionally. They have to breed Like when somehow. they're breeding. Yeah. I'm just here to poke all the holes in your theory. <laughs> I'm here to defend the legend, so I mean, most animals fine. that are solitary will, I mean, they have to cohabitate when they have young. Otherwise, like the young won't make it's it. It's for fucking. <laughs> Do Sasquatch mate for life? Oh, interesting. Do they form breeding pairs? And like, would that only exist between bordering territories? Yeah, or do they actually so cohabitate in territory? How do they meet someone new? Conferences, obviously. Uh, yeah, Sasquatch <laughs> conferences. We need to find out where that is, get a Sasquatch suit, and go and like find oh. out all about what they've been up to. Well, we'll hear later about some issues with people pretending to be Sasquatch, so maybe we don't want to do that. Yeah. But Albert identified an adult male and a female and a juvenile male and female. The creatures were very friendly towards him, but also made it quite clear that they did not want him to leave. Ugh. So he managed to escape after six days in captivity when the older male choked on Albert's snuff tobacco. (laughs) I almost believe the story now. This seems real, right? Sasquatch investigator John Green, biologist Ivan Sanderson, and Smithsonian anthropologist John Napier each interviewed Albert, and all three wrote separately that his account was convincing and did not sound false. Of course, that is how you trick a lie detector machine if you believe in the lie, but... Well, I just... True. How would you have tobacco after six days? Like, Maybe that stressful pocket. of a situation? You'd be using that mm-hmm. 24-7. <laughs> He's done huh. in a day. That's true. Maybe he was too stressed. Sometimes when I'm too anxious, I can't drink alcohol. This is true. I was so anxious, I didn't drink for, like, almost two weeks. Also, when I'm sad. Now I only drink when I'm talking to you guys, but... Ta-da! Is that a good thing or a bad thing? (laughs) This counts as social interaction. It's still hard to get out Mm -hmm. and see people. I start TAing tomorrow, and I already have three people in my section telling me they were positive for COVID. Fuck. I I still haven't got it yet, so those motherfuckers better just leave me alone. There are two people on my softball team that didn't make it today because they have COVID. Ah, It's really fucking things up. Yeah. I need to find a volleyball team. All right. I'm going to bring up one more historical encounter, mostly to whet your appetite for a future episode of mine. So in January 1869, in Gallipolis, Gallipolis, Galapagos? I have no idea. The Galapagos Islands? Ohio. No, it's Ohio. No. Oh, I don't think there's many islands <laughs> in Ohio. sounds kind of Greek, though. Gallipolis. Yeah, Ohio. Anywho, some man was grabbed out of his horse-drawn carriage by a Bigfoot-like creature story does have a happy ending, for the man at least, uh, and his daughter, who had been riding with him, was able to bonk the giant ape-like creature on the head, which caused the creature to let go of her father and run into the woods. How did they reach? It's large, so I guess you just swing around. She was in a carriage. Okay. You have to climb a ladder to bonk that thing. <laughs> Hold still, buddy. <laughs> The newspaper noted that, quote, the creature goes naked, is covered in hair, is gigantic in height, 
and his eyes start from their sockets. And the only reason I mentioned this encounter at all... Where else would they come from? But they, like, bulge out. He's got, um, like, a thyroid problem. Oh. Oh. That's really sad. I mean, that's, like, that's... Okay, so I used to have a hamster when I was younger, (laughs) and my aunt... My aunt... (laughs) Wanted to hold it. And I was like, okay, well, just be no. gentle. Don't squeeze. And no. then it started struggling. And she started squeezing. And then the eyes were going ee, a little bit more. I'm like, no, stop. And then it bit her, luckily. And then she kind of uh. like let go of it. But I was like, fucking, I told you not to squeeze him. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? She's not an animal person. I guess I do have to admit I have done that to a couple of mice. Oh, so sad. I was just like, you're hurting my hand. The hamster handled it. She drew blood. Well, the mice <laughs> have also bit me. So yeah. You also handle it. Yeah, but they bite through. They have sharp little teeth. How many times have they bit through? Uh, so one particular bad time I got bit once. I put another glove on. I got bit through both gloves. Yeah, because I already bit through one. You need to, you need to up your glove game. Another layer. I guess I should always double glove, but it got through two layers of gloves as well. So I mean, consider how beavers can bite through trees with a similar facial oh. structure and tooth type. The jaw strength. Hmm, biology. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck. We're here again. Personal experience <laughs> is what this is. All of my good gavage days involved me getting bitten, unfortunately. No. Anywho, I'm trying to get a real job. State of California. Let me save Hire your goddamn good fucking fish. I want to save your stupid fish. So the reason I mention this encounter at all is because Gallipolis, Ohio, is directly across the river from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where the Mothman encounters took place. <laughs> and I will say stay tuned for spooky season, where I will do an episode on the Mothman. I'm already excited. Okay, now I have really goosebumpies. <laughs> well, save them for spooky season. Okay. Or now. I'll send pictures of the cemetery from Woods Hole. Oh, Push them God, back please. in. Save them. <laughs> You go away, you go away. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The most famous piece of evidence for the existence of Bigfoot is the Patterson-Gimlin film. It is a very short film that was shot in 1967 by Bluff Creek, a tributary of the Klamath River, and coincidentally quite near to where Jerry Cruz saw the original set of footprints. This film runs for 59.5 seconds at 16 frames per second and shows a large, hairy, bipedal, ape-like figure with, quote, short, and now we have three options, silvery brown, dark reddish brown, or black hair covering most of its body, including its prominent breast. Oh, so it's female? Lady Squatch. Marilyn Monroe Squatch. Oh, oh, that's a squatch on your helmet. This was a color film. I don't know why there's so many different ideas of what color it was but its height was estimated to be between six and seven feet tall and i honestly don't think it has prominent breasts but that's just me maybe just like they mean built pectorals it's like built pectorals actually like that uh that gif that meredith sent in our (laughs) chat where they're like a little bit bald around the nips yeah but they were actually hairy (laughs) anywho let's see where are we at here so the filmmakers, Ohio? no, Virginia. we're back in Humboldt County because Humboldt County is haunting me now that I've been there and can never go back. The filmmakers were Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin. So they were both former rodeo writers and Bigfoot enthusiasts, but especially Patterson. They were in the area specifically on a Bigfoot hunt, and Patterson had insisted beforehand that if they saw a Bigfoot, they should not shoot it with a gun. This is a film-only expedition. Giblin later regretted this, but it's fine. The image that's particularly evocative from the film is where the figure glanced over its right shoulder 
at the men filming it. Oh, that's the one, like the famous one where it's like swinging its arms really wildly. Uh-huh. Okay. And so Patterson would describe the creature's expression as, quote, one of contempt and disgust. You know how it is when the Empire tells you one more word and you're out of the game? That's the way it felt. I mean, the thing's like, God, look at those poor things. They don't have any hair. What, what happened sure. to them? <laughs> We're like naked mole rats to them. Oh my god, they totally are. <laughs> well, the figure, who would be named Patty, I guess after Patterson, turned to face forward and disappeared into a grove of trees for 14 seconds. And then the final 15 seconds, the figure reappeared after Patterson moved to a better vantage point. At that point, Gimlin jumped on his horse and followed the figure, keeping his distance until it disappeared around a bend in the road. At this point, Patterson was feeling quite vulnerable because he was worried that the figure's male mate might appear, and Gimlin had their only gun. So Patterson called Gimlin to come back, and this entire encounter lasted less than two minutes. This film is quite controversial. It has been analyzed by numerous researchers. Bernard Hulvomans, a zoologist and the so-called father of cryptozoology, was one of the first people to analyze the film, and he came to the conclusion that the figure was a human wearing an ape suit. No. And so he objected to the subject's hair flow pattern as being too uniform, to the hair on its breasts as not being like a primate. So the gift Meredith said of the naked breast is actually more primate-y than the, mm-hmm. the hairy breast. It's buttocks being insufficiently separated, and it's too calm to treat <laughs> from the pursuing men. <laughs> Their cheeks aren't this- far enough apart. I had to add that because what the fuck? I mean, yeah, if it's all made from like the same fabric and it's not going to like lay the same way as like natural hair would. Man. Or have like different like thicknesses and stuff. You think there'd yeah. be something caught up in all that hair, right? Oh, yeah. It should have something stuck to it. Like a dingleberry. <laughs> I mean, consider how like even just a bear, right, would have like finer fur on some parts of its body than others. Yeah, depending on the season. So then it probably doesn't lay all the same direction and like pattern or whatever but i don't know i try to stay away from bears yeah i haven't looked that close i've seen enough nature documentaries to know what a bear looks like and that thing it does kind of look like it was maybe yeah no we have more people that looked at it this video so yeah but was it the the father of cryptozoology no, but who's heard of Hoovelmans? I'm just surprised that the father of crypt, crypt, okay, that word. I'm surprised <laughs> that the father of that didn't just automatically say, yeah, that's real. I know. What the fuck, dude? He's, yeah. Isn't that what he's, he's all into? He's a an ass guy. Can't you look at the gate and structure and ratios too and tell, yes. like, okay, the skeleton where the pivot points are matches the exact gate of a human or not. Because you'd be able to say, like, here's the spine length, here's the the ratio of, like, leg length and everything. And, like, presumably it'd be a little bit different, like, maybe closer to that of a gorilla, bonobo, or something like that. So, the gate of the creature has also been well analyzed in order to determine if it would even have been possible for a man in a monkey suit to walk as seen in the film. And, of course, there is a scientific subdiscipline specifically for this. So Jessica Rose and James Gamble operate the Motion and Gait Analysis Lab at Stanford University and are the authors of Human Walking, which is the definitive text on human gait. You know how, like, metal has all these subgenres? Oh, yeah. Is science the same way? Oh, yes. 100%. Absolutely. Science is, like, everything. Wow. And I don't I mean, there's, like, physics, chemistry, biology. And, like, even biology has so many different subunits. Biomechanics, a 
walking, yeah. you know, like all of that. Animal behavior. There's, I mean, like, yeah, fucking, the fucking all these fish. things that could apply to this even. We are like metal bands. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Rock on. So these researchers conducted a high-tech human replication of Patty's Gate in the more modern era and came to mixed conclusions. So Rose was certain that their subject had matched Patty's Gate, while Gamble was not quite as sure. And there's a third researcher named Jeff Meldrum, who we'll meet again later, who was impressed and said that some aspects of the creature's walk had been successfully replicated by the human tusk subject, but not all of them. Huh. And if it... If it was a human wearing an ape suit, it would have to be a damn good ape suit, working with the special effects capabilities of 1967. Yeah, but 16 frames a second. These guys were riding horses. Patterson was on the ground at this point, and they've looked at this film at all different sorts of frames per second. Patterson filmed it at 16 to 18 frames per second, but they've actually looked at it at all different kinds of frames per second to see if they could study the gate. But you only have that 16 to 18. It's not like you can create more frames. you can't. Yeah. Yeah, true. Well, the Patterson-Gimlin film was also screened at Universal Studios in the late 1960s, and their conclusion was, quote, We could try faking it, but we would have to create a completely new system of artificial muscles and find an actor who could be trained to walk like that. Is this where Harry and the Hendersons come in? Yeah, it's the 80s, but yeah, this 87. gave the idea. It might be done, but we would have to say that it would be almost impossible. So they figured it out in the 80s. Well, a couple years later. What if he was drinking, though? The Sasquatch or the man inside the Sasquatch? The man inside the Sasquatch suit. What if he was drinking? That does affect my gait and my <laughs> perception of curbs. Andy Circus right? could do it. I just want to know, do you guys actually believe in Sasquatch? I like to keep an open mind. I like to as well. And I will come to what I believe towards the end too. But okay. We're still discovering species and mm-hmm. who's to say that we haven't discovered one because it's also intelligent and knows to keep hidden. Very true. So Patterson died of cancer in 1972. But up until his death, he was the major public face of the film and maintained right to the end that the creature on the film was real. Gimlin mostly avoided speaking publicly about the film, but staunchly denies that it was a hoax. Furthermore, quote, most acquaintances of Patterson volunteered that neither he nor Gimlin were clever enough to put something that detailed together. (laughs) And a man who interviewed Patterson and Gimlin many times went further, writing, quote, Both men lacked primarily the intellectual capacity essential to the production of a hoax. <laughs> so. They're dumb. Maybe they're dumb. You'd think, too, like, they didn't sew this thing themselves if it were a suit. Mm-mm. Someone else would have had to have been involved, and they probably would have spoken out. I didn't go into all this stuff, but there's the Hollywood side of things, the special effects. There's like suggestions that a particular person made the suit. A movie had recently come out that had ape suits in it. I don't remember what it was. So what they stole one? I don't know what it was. It might have been Planet of the Apes, but uh, so like or borrowed. There's a lot more to the Patterson Gimlin film, but I actually did this part last, so I was getting tired. Mm -hmm. But we're not even halfway through the script, so oh man. Stay with okay. Me, yeah. So I want to believe it's real, but we can move on to some of the arguments against the existence of Bigfoot. Sightings of Sasquatch have typically been attributed to misidentification of known animals or hoaxes. Uh, this is obviously done by people with no sense of whimsy in their lives, but we'll talk about them anyway. No fun. Boring. 
So boring bears are the likely culprit for most Bigfoot sightings. Bears have been observed walking upright, usually as the result of an injury. When upright, black bears are between 5 to 7 feet tall and grizzly bears are between 8 to 9 feet tall, which falls into the anecdotal range of Bigfoot's height. Um, in 2007, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization brought forward images from a trail cam that they said showed a juvenile Bigfoot. This was in Pennsylvania, so the Pennsylvania Game Commission shut that down by saying that the images were simply a bear with mange. Oh, poor thing! Well, they were never able to find the mangy bear, so it remains to be seen. Well, the bear could have had alopecia and grew his hair back by oh. the time they located him. Well, when analyzing the length of the arms in comparison with the torso on the trail cam footage, the researchers found the body type was more comparable to a chimpanzee than to a bear. And speaking of chimpanzees, another proposal for Bigfoot sightings are great apes that have escaped from zoos, circuses, and private owners. Okay. I might do this at some point because Joe Exotic is just the tip of the fucking iceberg when it comes to uh, (laughs) private owners of exotic animals. Oh my fucking god. That's so sad. Like, it's one thing to it's own it, like, to have a tiger or multiple tigers, but, like, to have another primate is just, no. I think it's sad to have a tiger. Yeah, I mean, it's all bad. But anyway, chimpanzees, great apes, whatever, escaping from wherever, could potentially be the source of the skunk ape of the Florida Everglades. Because the Florida man wants hominids in his backyard. I mean, Florida man threw a fucking crocodile through a drive through window, so I'm sure it has monkeys. Wouldn't it be an alligator? It might be. I don't know what it's the an alligator. Is. <laughs> Biology. Uh, yeah, well. There be gators out there. Anywho. <laughs> the other possible primate is humans themselves. So, in 2013, a 21-year-old man in Oklahoma was arrested after he went to the police and told them that he'd accidentally shot his friend in the back while they were out Bigfoot hunting. In 2018, in Montana, a person was shot multiple times by a hunter who claimed he had mistook him for Bigfoot. So not even a bear. The Greenville Police Department in Virginia, or sorry, in North Carolina, has even issued a public notice asking the populace to try and not shoot the Bigfoot, just in case it is actually a person wearing some fur. Those drunk boys on a Friday night. So for sure, some of the Sasquatch sightings have been hoaxes. In 1968, the Minnesota Iceman, frozen hair-covered corpse, was toured around the United States as part of a traveling exhibition. The backstory was that it had been killed by American soldiers in Vietnam and then brought to the States. Uh, Smithsonian anthropologist John Napier pops up again here, and he studied the specimen and concluded that it was a hoax made from latex. But... At least as late as 2013, the Minnesota Iceman is on display at the Museum of Weird in Austin, Texas. And I'm trying to get to Austin, Texas. I will have to go to the Museum of Weird. All right. So on July 14th, 2005, Tom Biscardi appeared on the paranormal radio show Coast to Coast AM. Tom Biscardi is best known as a Bigfoot enthusiast slash hoaxer and is also the CEO of Bigfoot Projects Investments, Inc., which is somehow a real company and filed for an IPO in 2013. Okay. If we have any economist listeners, it's a pink sheets company, which I don't know a ton <laughs> about, but they are not listed on the major uh, U.S. stock exchanges. They can be traded over the counter, but it's considered extremely risky because there is no regulatory oversight. Anywho, 
This time, Tom announced that he was, quote, 98% sure that his group will be able to capture a Bigfoot, which they have been tracking in the Happy Camp, California area. He came back as a guest on the show a month later and said that he had access to a captured Bigfoot and was arranging a pay-per-view event for people to see it. A pay-per-view? Yes. Which is all well and exciting. 100%. They have to make money somehow. Well, he came back as a guest a few days later to say, uh, never mind. There's no captive Bigfoot. He blamed an unnamed woman for misleading him. And then he called the show's listeners gullible, which is a bit much because, dude, my dude, this is also your audience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The coast to coast listeners are your fucking audience, asshole. And then a combination of hoax and misidentification, in August 2012, a man in Montana, again, was killed by a car while perpetrating a Bigfoot hoax and wearing a ghillie suit. So, maybe don't. (sighs) Some squatchers theorize that Bigfoot may be the missing link between apes and humans. Grover Krantz and Jeffrey H. Bourne have proposed that Bigfoot could be a relic population of the extinct Southwest Asian ape species. Should not be drinking. Gigantopithecus black eye. Well, they're not extinct then. Well, yes. Yeah. Extinct. But we haven't proven it yet with an actual foot. But but they hypothesized that it was from Asia, but it probably crossed the Barry Land Bridge into North America at some point. This is a bit of a rough one because no Gigantopithecus fossils have been found in the Americas. And in Asia, the only recovered fossils have been of mandibles and teeth. I just really don't know how you can tell them apart. But Grover Krantz seems to think that this is fine and can extrapolate that Gigantopithecus Topithecus was bipedal based on the shape of its mandible, which I don't know anything about. Is it the jaw? That's the jaw. That's the jaw. Oh, sorry. I should be more clear. But um, but even that extrapolation is weak because the relevant part of the jaw that needs to be there to make this claim has not been found in any of the samples, in the fossil samples. And okay. the canonical scientific community is quite clear when they state that gigantic Topithecus black eye diverged from orangutans around 12 million years ago and is definitely not related to humans. No, it's like a, an offshoot where like it didn't follow the Neanderthal lineage. Okay, I'm glad you're here, Sarah, because you're going to keep up with this next part. Okay. So John Napier's back again. It's a very small field. Joined up with anthropologist Gordon Stassenberg, and they have proposed that Bigfoot is actually a living relic of a previously thought to be extinct hominid. I just don't fucking care about human (laughs) evolution or where we fucking came from, so I'm opening up to the worst scientific section I've ever done. But these two anthropologists have suggested that Bigfoot is actually a species of Paranthropus, particularly Paranthropus robustus. I feel like you're making up words at this point. I also feel like they're making up words at this point, to be honest. This particular extant hominid had a sagittal crest and a bipedal gait. Fun fact about the sagittal crest is actually a bony ridge that runs across the midline of the skull and is actually indicative of strong chewing muscles. Because it has to have something to attach to Uh in order to be able to bite. So that would be something of like, I'm not a a hominid biologist (laughs) by any means, but that would be indicative of something that's much more like herbiferous, that it needs to really chew a lot of things in order to be able to break it down. Yeah, lots of fibers. Lots of fibers. (laughs) We have weak chewing muscles in comparison. If somebody has like a little bit of a peak on their skull. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if like you've seen someone balding and they have like a little bit, a little bit of a point. point right on the top of their head that kind of like runs from like the angle from their forehead. Are you talking about like a stegosaurus? Kind of. <laughs> Except not down their spine, but down their skull. Yeah. Okay. Sagittal crest, it it's it becomes like a um a point of attachment for all the muscles that have to and ligaments that have to attach for stronger chewing muscles, I guess. I thought that was a fun fact. I like I learned that. I thought that was interesting. The validity of Paranthropus as a genus has been contested and is sometimes considered to be synonymous with I hate this fucking word. Australopithecus. 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 For all the listeners out there, I just want to let you know how close Hannah got to her laptop on that. <laughs> I'm very blind. <laughs> Hi, guys. Here's my face. Well, say that again, Sarah. Australopithecus. That is the ancestral Lucy. genus. Oh. Do you know Lucy? Yes, I have a dog do. named Lucy. Oh. So, yeah, Lucy is the I mean, very short, much smaller... I mean, they, they, they're called apes, but like late, I'm looking at this right now, so I'm not just pulling this out of nowhere. I was like, Late Pliocene, Sarah. early Pleistocene. Sarah, you so I mean, I used to watch a lot of documentaries <laughs> about this stuff, and I'm like, oh yeah, Lucy, that's Australopithecus. But yeah, much smaller though, not not nine feet tall. Okay. Australopithecus were, were really like compact humans, not <laughs> the Gigantopithecus. <laughs> no. And what I found was that Australopithecus Pithecus was the ancestral genus that the Homo genus emerged from, which is our genus, Homo sapiens. Mm-hmm. And Giganto went way over with a bunch of other cousins. So, like, we're closer to gorillas even than we are to Gigantopithecus. Yeah. Interesting. I'm like looking at phylogeny now. Sorry. <laughs> We're totally fine, but this don't look too hard because this whole theory about Bigfoot maybe being a Paranthropus or Australopithecus doesn't have very much support because Australopithecus fossils have only been found in Africa and there have been no yep. great apes in the fossil records of North America. And Australopithecus, again, are like less than five feet or around five feet tall. Right. They're, and these are big boys. Whereas Paranthropus which they're thinking is synonymous, but their height seems to be a little bit divergent. Yeah, it is actually, so. Anyway, okay. Fascinating. Sorry. So, if you like this, go to the uh, Smithsonian. Oh, I love this. There's a whole exhibit about it. All right. I only went to the Dino Hall. Dino Hall? The whole goddamn thing. I love it. I saw an Sounds like something out of Power Rangers. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to become boring for a moment, even though... We figured out on plans are optional that I'm not actually boring. You're not. Thank you. That's why you get invited back, right? I did get invited back permanently. Yeah, yeah. There's no invitation. Like she's bound. No, but like after the, the first couple, it was like, okay, yeah, you know, you need to stay here. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's been a weird time. It's cancer season. It's been a weird time for me emotionally. You just need a little support sometimes. So I'm not boring. Oh, you're talking about astrology now? No, no, no. That's later. Wait, Don't that's worry, later. we got astrology what, for you what, later. What the hell is cancer season if that's not astrology? Oh, it I is guess, cancer season. Never mind, it totally is cancer season. But you yeah. just said that. I remember now. Uh, <laughs> anywho, all right. 
I'm going to say that I can't really argue much with Philip Stevens, who is a cultural anthropologist at the University of He has University two first names. You can Buffalo. argue with them all you want. Or two last names. I feel like I can't actually, but he said, quote, It defies all logic that there is a population of these things sufficient to keep them going. What it takes to maintain any species, especially a long-lived species, is you got to have a breeding population. That requires a substantial number spread out over a fairly wide area where they can find sufficient food and shelter to keep hidden from all the investigators. Uh, how many caverns are there? Yeah, yeah Actually, hold on now. There are so many. Ca- I didn't even think about caverns. There are so many caverns. There's a lot of they caverns. They might just be like fucking awesome at navigating caverns and be like, I okay, meet at this place on the solstice. Are we Are we arguing about whether <laughs> this bone. is real or not right now? Uh, whether what is real? Uh, Sasquatch. No, I'm but not arguing if it. you don't think they live in caverns, where do you think they hide? I don't think they hide anywhere. I don't believe in them. Well, neither does fucking Philip Stevens. So you're agreeing with the guy with two last names. Yeah, well, okay, we're on the same team this time. <laughs> Look, I'm sure at some point the federal government or state governments would protect something if there was something viable there. There's a law for everything. Tiny species. There are some laws about Sasquatch refuges, and there are some laws, but most of them were uh, suggested by grade schoolers. Okay, suggested doesn't mean they're actually laws. I'll get into this later too, oh, you guys. Jesus. <laughs> I wrote 13 pages on Sasquatch. Love it. What? No, no c- continue. <laughs> All right. Paleontologist Darren Nash wrote an article for Scientific American in 2016 where he argued that if Bigfoot existed, an abundance of evidence would also exist. And the fact that we haven't found any of this evidence suggests that the existence of Bigfoot is extremely unlikely. They probably just bury their poop. Well. You think that's that's, that's the main thing, Sarah? Scat is like... It is a big one, but... You find scat more often than you find the animal? Yeah, but why would they bury their poop? To not be found. What do you do? Do you just shit in the forest and leave it there? Okay. If if I have to, <laughs> I absolutely do not So bury I have it. never shit in the forest. That time I went backpacking for four days, I just didn't shit. Oh my god. I peed one time. Oh my god! How miserable were you? It sounds like she was dehydrated. And there was a cute guy that I had a crush on. Oh my god, that sounds well. awesome. oh, That so really turned mis- him on. This girl doesn't poop at all. I was pretty miserable <laughs> the whole time. She's I was just like 13. <laughs> I, it was a precursor of my actual adulthood being full of shit. But <laughs> anyway, so if you do shit in the woods, do you bury it? Yes. What do you do with the toilet paper? No. No. What do you mean, no? No, like, I would say like nine times out of ten, I don't bury it. What? I'm not carrying a shovel everywhere I go. <laughs> you don't have to care. You find a rock and just like dig like a, a three inch hole and then like make a little cover. That's entirely and then the ground, too much The ground work. takes it over. Look, okay, hold on. It's not like I'm going to a national forest campground and just pooping in the middle of the campground. All right. I'm actually out where people just don't go. It's going to be gone in two months. Something will probably eat it. No, no one else will be there in two months. That too, but... I guess, yeah. I never really go that far away from, like, a trail if I'm backpacking. Yeah, No, no. No, if I'm backpacking, if I'm, like, on an established trail, yeah, I'll I'll bury my poop. I had to circle back to uh, toilet paper. What do you mean circle back? When were we on toilet paper? You guys made it sound like you didn't use toilet paper. No, no, you bury the toilet paper. No, you shake a lot. And I just need to know your fiber regimen. What? Vegetables. What? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I take fiber supplements 
to be okay at pooping, but uh, really, yes. Oh, well, I didn't know that. You're doping. Maybe that's why you weren't able to poop while you were backpacking. No, that was I wasn't doing that back <laughs> oh, okay. then. This is more of a just smoothing it out, so it just all exits. <laughs> anyway, so these lines of evidence include consistent reports of uniform vocalizations throughout North America, as can be identified for any existing large animal in the region. However, Bigfoot vocalizations have been widely varied and haphazardly reported. Two, if Bigfoot exists, then so should many tracks that would be easy for experts to find. So forget about their poo, they also walk around. And lastly, if Bigfoot existed, an abundance of Bigfoot DNA would already have been found again as it has been found for similar animals instead of the current state of affairs where there is no confirmed dna for such a creature whatsoever i think the thing is though we're not talking about deer or bear or moose we're talking about a hominid that has been like if it is an extant relative of humans even just a cousin it's intelligent and it knows how to not be detected, how to stay away from sounds that sound like things that are not good for it, etc. So like we are terrifying to it because look what we've fucking done to the place. We ran them out of the clam of the rivers because we wanted a fucking gold. So I mean like and every time that someone sees something, we're like pointing and you know, they're oh, fucking freaked out by our technology and like weird shit, right? So they're like, these are not gonna be good. Stay away, stay up in the hills. Cover your poop, cover your tracks, hide in the caverns certain times of the year when they want to come out camping, you know. And they've got hair. They can hang out in the winter. I don't know. Maybe they hibernate. It still seems like they could be out there. I am on your side, but I'm going to tell a terrible story first. All right. So there is no confirmed DNA for the Bigfoot, but this is not for lack of trying. So, in 2013... No, I was going to say, of course, there's not a lack of trying. You said there's like a Bigfoot society. There is There's like groups of amateur researchers. Oh my god, yeah. There's been so much effort put into this to still find nothing. Well, this is going to be a story of a lot of effort to find nothing. Okay. In 2013, a veterinarian named Melba S. Ketchum, who described herself as the lead researcher of the Sasquatch Genome Project. Wait, but like Ash Ketchum? Yeah, they're relatives. She requested to register the species name Homo sapiens cognatus. Cognatus being a Latin term meaning related to blood. And to support her claim, on February 13th, 2013, the journal article entitled, quote, Novel North American Hominids, Next Generation Sequencing of Three Whole Genomes and Associated Studies, was published in the De Novo Journal of Science with Melba Ketchum as the primary author. And this article, quote, examined 111 samples of blood, tissue, hair, and other specimens characterized and hypothesized to have been obtained from the elusive hominins in North America, commonly referred to as Sasquatch. Blood and tissue? Yes. How'd they get that? From trees? They like, I mean, like hair I can see because like they shed, but... Well, okay. later on, someone sends in a skin sample. But I am going to throw this to you, Sarah. Have you ever heard of the De Novo Journal of Science? No. Well, no one else had either. Okay. So, nine days prior to announcing the publication of this article, the domain name for De Novo Journal of Science <laughs> was registered anonymously. <laughs> Sprung into being. <laughs> and currently, De Novo Journal of Science consists of Volume 1, Issue one with one article. Just like de novo sequestration of data points. Got it. 100%. And 
we got to take a little detour because we at TCC do not support bad science. And so I'm going to quote the analysis of the paper that was done by The Scientist magazine. And it said, quote, the few experienced geneticists who viewed the paper reported a dismal opinion of it making little sense. To state the obvious, no data or analysis were presented that in any way support the claim that their samples come from a new primate or human-primate hybrid. Instead, analyses either come back as 100% human or fail in ways that suggest technical artifacts. There is no indication that Ketchin's work, the only study that it has published, was peer-reviewed, which is very important in science. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, validation. Here's a new journal. Cool, I published something. I'm going to make this up. Yeah, you, you can publish anything you want, I guess. But um, Yeah, that's why there's so many mom blogs out there. Or podcasts. Hey, they... Plants are optional. Hey, plants are optional. True kind of <laughs> All right, so ZooBank is an open access website intended to be the official registry for the International Commission of Zoological Nomenclature, generally accepted by zoologists to be the main body that assigns new species names. And ZooBank did approve the registration request for the subspecies name Homo sapiens cognatus to be used as a Latin name for Sasquatch. A spokesperson for ZooBank would say, quote, ZooBank and the ICZN do not review evidence for the legitimacy of organisms to which names are applied. That is outside our mandate and is really the job of the relevant taxonomic slash biological community, in this case primatologists, to do that. We scrutinize the name and the description, and as far as we can determine, all the requirements for were fulfilled for establishing the new name. Thus, at the moment, we have no grounds to reject the scientific name. This says nothing about the legitimacy of the taxon concept. It's just about whether the name was established according to the rules. So, she did get her name, at least. And yeah. a paper, but not a good paper. <laughs> I should make my own website for my Do you already papers. make our website? <laughs> yes, I am. I can probably get a second website, like a deal through Squarespace. Sponsor us. So... There have been more legitimate genetic analyses conducted where the researchers an analyzed 30 hair samples that were suspected to be from Sasquatch-like creatures. Only one was found to be primate in origin, and that was specifically the human primate. Most of the rest came from bears. Mm. Okay. In 2019, the FBI declassified an analysis it had conducted on alleged Bigfoot hares that were sent in by an amateur Bigfoot researcher in 1976. So Peter Burns sent the FBI 15 hairs attached to a small skin sample. So I feel like it got like snagged on a tree branch or something. In 1977, the FBI Scientific and Technical Services Division replied to Peter and told him that the hares were of deer family origin. Mm -hmm. In 2009, a study was published in the Journal of Biogeography that used ecological niche modeling on the location of reported Bigfoot sightings to infer the preferred ecological conditions for this cryptid. And what they found was that it has a very close match to the ecological parameters of the American. American black bear. Oh. More wah-wahs. What? In 1974, the National Wildlife Federation funded a field study seeking Bigfoot evidence, but no formal Federation members were involved and the study made no notable discoveries. Which feels like my entire experience in grad school. <laughs> Also, in 1974, a Bigfoot trap was erected in the Rogue River Siskiyou National Forest in Oregon, and it was maintained into the early 80s, baited with animal carcasses. It did catch okay. several bears. Uh, 
but never snared the grand prize. But, tourist corner, in 2006, the United States Forest Service repaired the trap, and so now you can see it if you hike the Collings Mountain Trail. Okay. Well, so one of the foremost academic researchers in the Bigfoot field is Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum, who is a mm-hmm. professor of Anatomy and Anthropology at Idaho State University. I have. Okay. He also went to ISU. He also is at ISU. Did you know him? What's ISU? Idaho State University. Didn't you go there? No. You went to University of Idaho. Yeah. Fuck. Well, you didn't know him. Not friends anymore, but (laughs) yes. Aw. My uncle is also very into Sasquatch and has sent me a bunch of Meldrum articles and pages and stuff, so. Okay. Well, he's also written a book called Sasquatch colon Legend Meets Science. Full disclosure, he's also a Mormon, so whatever you feel about that. Do they believe in evolution? Well, he does get some pushback from fellow Mormons who think that the existence of Sasquatch undermines their faith, to which Dr. Meldrum replies, quote, do you feel threatened by a gorilla? Do they get their own planets if they have multiple wives? Gorillas? Because <laughs> they do. They have harems. They have like multiple females really per male. Do. Does TCT ever like really delve into religion? Or have you not gone there yet? We mostly just say we don't like it very much. Oh, We've okay. talked a lot about Methodist. <laughs> yes. And Adventism. We've had a couple Adventism corners. I just realized that Mormonism is very similar to the way that gorillas and chimpanzees and such Oh nest. my god, it totally is. They should be on board for this then. They're not. It's a whole troop. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Alrighty. Alrighty. So. Back on track. He has written numerous academic papers on footprints and fossilized footprints from around the globe. And he's considered to be an expert in his admittedly very small field. And as I was writing that, I realized that I am also an expert in my own very small field of Giardia. (laughs) It's pointless to be an expert. (laughs) Anyway, one of his friends invited him to go see a set of footprints. He was skeptical. But he came up to examine them, and after he saw them, he felt that those footprints could not have been faked, were super real. They were animated tracks with pressure ridges, tension cracks, and movement in the toes. And then for as the Patterson-Gimlin film, he says, quote, You know, it's easy to say, oh, it looks like a man in a fursuit, until you see a man in a fursuit. Well, you can see muscle movements. You can see the shoulder blades slide under the skin. You can see tendons attaching to the joints and so forth. The clarity of the film is really much better than most people have acknowledged in the past. So, he thinks it's real. He did have to make a decision very early on in his scientific career as to whether to commit to cryptid research. He does have his normal line of, like, footprint research, which is legitimate, but going down the cryptid line would open him up to ridicule from the, his scientific communities. Right. And, um, I mean, like, as soon as you say, like, yeah... And then nobody else is going to believe you, like, no matter how renowned of, like, an anthropologist or whatever you are. Yeah, and so one of his predecessors, which is Georgian Grover Krantz, what we talked about before, was a bit of a cautionary tale because he also was coincidentally a Mormon. I don't know how that relates to believing in the Sasquatch, <laughs> but... <laughs> I can ask a Mormon tomorrow. Okay, do please. You believe? Please do. <laughs> So Dr. Krantz published more than 60 academic articles on human evolution, but he drew heavy criticism for his research on Bigfoot. And this would end up costing him research grants and promotions, and his promotion to full professor was delayed by decades. Mm-hmm. 
And he was also never able to publish any of his Bigfoot research in peer-reviewed journals. Side tangent. Dr. Krantz died in 2002 from pancreatic cancer. And in a very in-character move, his last request was to have his body shipped to the body farm at the University of Tennessee Anthropology Research Facility. Which is super fucking cool. Studies human decay for forensic science and whatnot. It's so fucking cool. But then also, like, goes back into nature. Yeah. Can we do that with you instead of sell you to yes, a I'm fine. cannibal? I'm fine with that. A cannibal slash necrophile. I'm fine with that. Look, you send me the body farm. I okay. still have to write that will. We have recorded record. This counts, right? Is that right? close enough? Close enough. So. Andy's a witness. Hold on now, what? My body is going to the body farm and not a necrophile when I die. Oh, good. <laughs> I'll sleep there tonight. <laughs> that yeah. is good. And then after Dr. Kranz's body was used at the body farm, his skeleton was articulated and sent to the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History. And sometimes it's even on display along with the skeleton of his favorite dog. So you could have seen this man's skeleton, which is fucking awesome too. Wait, is that the one where his dog is like hopping up on his shoulder? Yes. Oh my god, I love that one. Yes, that's Dr. Gordon Kranz. We should shout out to the librarian and Temperance and Fortunato. Oh, we need to do that too, for sure. And then I haven't listened to this, but after his death, an editor at NPR named Laura Krantz realized that they were cousins. And so she spent a year documenting his life's work in her podcast, which was called Wild Thing. Cool. Dr. Meldrum doesn't think his academic career has been impacted as much as Dr. Krantz's was. Not to say that he doesn't get pushback from the scientific community. Skeptics of his work would say, the science starts when you have a body. But Dr. Meldrum, as well as myself, will disagree and say, the science starts when you have a question. Yeah. I like that. The science is the process of discovery, not the result. You are such a nerd. We're all such nerds, but like that's that is I mean, Dr. Meldrum. I don't disagree, but I'm I stand by what I said. I mean, we (laughs) all went like, oh, but (laughs) all right. Okay, we're going to wrap up the science section with the opinion of the goat of primatology, Jane Goodall. And so in 2002, she was a guest on NPR's Science Friday radio show and was asked for her personal opinion of Bigfoot. Uh, She started off by joking, quote, well, now you will be amazed when I tell you that I'm sure they exist. And she followed up by saying, quote, well, I am a romantic, so I always wanted them to exist. And ended with, quote, you know, why isn't there a body? I can't answer that. And maybe they don't exist, but I want them to. Fucking love her. I answered that in episode, episode 27, when I talked about Cropsy and other urban legends. Shit. Oh, fuck. Too much to drink. Lebens. I know. Legends. (laughs) I can articulate. Just give me a fucking second. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So one of our fire foresters has the theory of, right, of the Sasquatch cremation. And so wildland firefighters, right, are often dispatched to what some believe are lightning strikes. But then they go out there and they don't find a fucking strike tree. And so his theory stems from that when a Sasquatch passes away, the community of Sasquatches gather and then they light the body on fire, subsequently starting a wildland fire. They're solitary creatures. But... They also get together to breed and stuff like that. So this is a celebration of life. They have to communicate. I mean, elephants do this. 
Exactly. I mean, they don't set them on fire, but they will visit the dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in this theory for wildfire, the reason why you never find the remains is because that when a Sasquatch passes away, right, they, right, they ignite the body and they cremate it. That's why there's no bones. Exactly. Look, no, and that's also why you don't it. find a strike tree. <laughs> you can find human bones it's in the house theory. fire. I look, I'm it it needs a lot actually to burn. I'm not here to agree with yeah. you people. All right. <laughs> I don't think they have like Why the, are you here? The torches <laughs> necessary to be able to cuz like cremation how many big lighters have been dropped fire. in the woods though? Come on. Yeah, how many lighters result in that much heat though? Maybe their bones are brittler. If they're as intelligent as they're claimed to be, right, then they would have figured out how to successfully complete this ritual to say goodbye to their friend. If they bury their poop, they're going to bury their dead. (laughs) Okay. That doesn't necessarily go together. Burying a poop could be like three inches. (laughs) Burying a dead could be like feet. That's a lot of digging. Have you heard the story about that elephant that like, ah, like some woman tried to murder her and then since she murdered the woman and then walked like 300 miles to the woman's funeral and like tore out of her casket and threw her around what <gasps> what oh my god i'll have to look into this why isn't this episode about that it's amazing yeah. i just thought about it now so this elephant story is amazing we'll have to go about more into that but listeners just look into it it's a cool what story. a petty elephant i love her <laughs> i'm a petty elephant <laughs> i relate is this enough science, you guys? Okay, are we getting yeah. into erotica now? Well, we're going to <laughs> pop culture corner first. Woo. Okay. So Bigfoot has made a real impact on pop culture and has been compared mm-hmm. to Michael Jordan. Harry and the Hendersons. And you and your Instagram handle and whatnot. <laughs> but you don't even believe in them. I know. What the fuck? Stole that from someone, a real believer. <laughs> you could sell it. Oh, fuck. Probably could. It might be worth money. To a real believer. Maybe Tom Biscoff or whatever his name would buy it. He is in his own company. Yeah, hit me up. All right. According to a poll taken in May 2020, about one in 10 American adults believe that Bigfoot is a real animal. We have at least two of four in the podcast, Meredith. I really need to see something to truly, truly believe. Okay. I hope that the Sasquatch is real. I hope. Right? Yeah, but yeah. Okay. I would say gravity? I don't truly believe it because I'm not faith-driven, but I am mm-hmm. very open-minded about the option. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, I hope I, I that Sasquatch is real. I just, you know, I'm not going to necessarily believe something unless I set my eyes on it. Well, okay. Between Jane Goodall and Meredith here, what's this hope? <laughs> Like, why, why do you hope this thing is out why there? Why don't you want this to exist? It would be cool. It's not that I don't want it to exist, but why, why, why would you want it to exist? Because it gives the idea that the world is still new enough. No. That there are still that many species that are, like, All hope not is just, gone. like, tiny microbe species, but, like, I crazy agree, Andy, vertebrate but- things available that we still don't fully understand there's a lot more questions to be asked yeah, that's a beautiful answer i believe in sasquatch now uh-huh. oh <laughs> i was gonna take it out of science and just say that i sincerely hope that sasquatch will come forward someday to get his title as the reigning hide and seek champion sasquatch 2024 <laughs> tag it yeah yeah and i just Absolutely. like the idea of this community that's just chilling living on its own not bothering anybody no throwing and rocks like, fuck humans 
Yeah. <laughs> well, they hate humans, but that's understandable. Mm-hmm. I like them. I do, too. All right. Well, speaking of hide-and-seek, champion, when COVID-19 crashed down upon us, Bigfoot <laughs> was also used as part of a social distancing. Social distancing. Just keep away from people. And was referred to as the social distancing champion. <laughs> oh, I love it. So far away, you can't even see him. You know what? Bigfoot has not caught COVID yet. And he probably could. No, because, like, wasn't there, like, reports of deer getting COVID? Cats yeah, can but get COVID. I've seen deer. Oh, my God. You've only seen 10 bears. Well, you know, is an estimate, but yes. <laughs> um, can you keep a running tally of the bears you've seen so we can check in with you later? Yeah, next time you have me on, I, I'll have, like, maybe two to add to it. Okay. Perfect. We don't want you to get, like, too many bear sightings. That sounds like you might die. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. How many bear sightings does it take in order for, like you to run across some bear that's just like a little bit more bold than others. That versus... 2,000 pound Kodiak polar oh bear. So when we were talking about like getting creeped down in the woods, one thing that really helps me is being loud. And so I'm out there singing songs from Disney, <laughs> musicals. <laughs> I, I, no, that's like, cool. I you probably scare people. You the bears away. If I heard a fucking Disney song when I thought I was alone in the woods. Like, if you're just out there and all of a sudden you hear, let's get down to business, like, oh what would God. you do? <laughs> to defeat the Huns. I would try to find a stick to protect myself with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I'm just even trying to see at this point now, too, like, how populated Washington is out there. Not very. But then even, oh, like, totally further depends. north... Oh, in Canada? British Columbia is like, it looks fucking desolate other than like the main hubs. They so, just have like two main cities and then yeah, it's There's wilderness. so much land there that's like not explored on a regular basis that oh, it, could it's, definitely it's regular. have. It is regular? I believe so. You know, there's like no way people just don't go there's out like there no at least roads. once a week. What was there's that like show? Two, there's like no roads. I just zoomed in to like the size of Sacramento and there's no roads. The size of Sacramento compared to like... A parcel of forest land? That's not comparable. Yeah. What? What was that show? Like, I think it might have been called Alone, where they, like, all dropped them all off at a desolate Canadian lake. Was this Bear Grylls? No. but not Naked and Afraid? No, they had clothes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Clothed and frightened. I don't frightened. remember anymore. But, yeah, yeah, they were cold and frightened because they were fucking in the tundra and it was fucking cold. Okay. Anyway, no Sasquatch appeared in that show, but... Okay. Look, all I'm saying is, like, everyone has a camera on their phone nowadays. Yeah. You would have seen something. No. Okay. If you're out there backpacking, do you have your camera in your hand? My phone would be dead. I'm sorry, I'm back to believing in Sasquatch. I'm sorry, I forgot about Sarah's beautiful answer. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? And have you forgotten about technology... Planned obsolescence. My phone doesn't hold a battery charge very long. It'd be dead. All right. Anyway, to keep it topical, just four days before I wrote this script, which means January 18th, 2022. Impressive. Uh-huh. A newspaper article was published in the Boston Herald, quote, Police Field Report of Bigfoot Sighting in Michigan. Oh. And the You said January, Shelby, though? June. Oh. Four days ago. You did say January, though. Did I? I think so. I've lost a lot of my alcohol tolerance in my depression because I wasn't drinking. So, here we are. It was 
June 18th. So the Shelby Township Police received a call from a resident reporting that she had captured a figure on her home surveillance camera that resembled Bigfoot. The dispatcher did send officers out, but they did not find any sort of large, hairy, ape-like creature in the area. But for Michigan listeners slash visitors, Sarah, the Bigfoot Field Research Organization has reported this is the first sighting in Maycomb County, but there have been more than 225 sightings throughout Michigan, particularly in West Branch, which is known as the Bigfoot capital of Michigan. I don't know where you're going. We're going to Marquette. Wow. A bit farther north. The Upers. Michigan listeners, you may still have time to sign up for this. The Michigan Bigfoot Conference is scheduled for July 30th in Chelsea. Now we all Yay. know what conferences are for. Fucking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My God, Bigfoot <laughs> enthusiast fucking has to be weird. Well, I'm saying uh, if the oh, foot's that big. Ah, no. uh, well, we're get, we're gonna get into that later too. The furries or whatever they're fucking called, where yeah. the people dress up like. Animals. I was just imagining a bunch of Sasquatch suits <laughs> getting it out of the woods. <laughs> that sounds about right. Okay. Free convention. Yeah. So Bigfoot was also the center of a scandal in 2018 that led to one of my absolute favorite sentences being written. Quote, <laughs> A congressional candidate accused her opponent of being a devotee of Bigfoot erotica, and some people on the internet responded by demanding she not kink shame him. Don't yuck someone's yum. (laughs) And the congressional candidate in question has the extremely fake-sounding name of Denver Riggleman. Okay. Is that that Riggleman with a W? No. Riggle. No, not not Riggle. Just Riggle? It's not Riggling. It's not Riggle, it's just Riggle. Okay. So, Leslie Cockburn didn't even <laughs> think about writing a joke for yeah. that. Yeah. Missed opportunity. I was tired. That could have been the 14th page. She's been dealt it her whole life. Okay, she's also Olivia Wilde's mother, the actress. Oh, okay. All right. So anyway, Leslie Cockburn has a very attractive daughter, was also a Democrat, uh, and she kicked things up by tweeting a post from Riggleman's Instagram account that featured a drawing of the Bigfoot with an extremely long black sensor box covering the genital region. Oh my god. Oh, Jesus. Kind of like in Borat. A hundred percent. She also tweeted another post from his Instagram, which had uh, Riggleman's face superimposed on the drawing. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's fucking hilarious. So Riggleman's Instagram account was quickly changed to private. But according to the Cook Political Report, quote, that account was once peppered with images of what can only be classified as Bigfoot-themed erotic art. <laughs> okay. Riggleman would publicly respond to those tweets saying that there's nothing sexual about his interest in Bigfoot. He then would give a slightly unhinged interview in which he described the religious war going on between the different types of Bigfoot believers. And one of the reasons he's running for office is for, quote, to fight for the freedom to believe in any type of Bigfoot that you want. Okay. What a platform. It includes a Bigfoot with a gluten intolerance. That's for Sarah. Thanks. Uh, in what realm would a Bigfoot have access to wheat? In this the Midwest? This was a slightly unhinged interview, <laughs> like I said. Oh, fair. Michigan. But, like, they're not making bread out of it. They're just like, I don't want this grass. Supposed to be intelligent. They live in caverns. They, they could can make, make bread. bread. I think of them more of like foragers, but okay. I believe that they can make bread. They've got cute little aprons on. We need a bread making oh apron wearing Bigfoot sticker now. No, yeah. Do you know how much bread. hair would be in that bread? 
fiber. Fiber. If they're eating it, it's their hair. You don't need helps, toilet paper. Helps the poop fiber. pass so that they can bury it more cleanly. <laughs> you don't need toilet paper if you it's have fiber. It's easier to scoop now. I'll make more bread. <laughs> All right, so... Rickman did insist that the Bigfoot erotica that was posted on his Instagram account was a joke that his military friends played on him, which definitely doesn't change the fact that he did self-publish a book about Bigfoot called, quote, Bigfoot Exterminators, Inc., the partially cautionary, mostly true tale of Monster Hunt 2006. And there will be a link to the PDF on the website. That doesn't have, like, sex in the title, though. It doesn't, but I'm not done with Riggleman. <sighs> okay. Riggleman would clarify that this book was, quote, an anthropological book sort of based on parody and satire, and said, quote, I thought it was funny. There's no way that anyone's dumb enough to think this is real. Which is a bit questionable, because he also wrote a second book about Bigfoot. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and so these photos that were apparently a joke were in response to Denver's second book, which he was promoting on his Facebook page, entitled The Mating Habits of Bigfoot and Why Women Want Him. Oh, for uh, fuck's sake. No. Unfortunately, according to Amazon, he has tweaked the title to the less eye-catching Bigfoot. It's complicated. <laughs> Which was released in No, I'm not at all. There's a, he has an author page on Amazon. Oh, for uh, fuck's sake. And this book does start with a bang as the prologue opens with a quote from his wife. Quote, Oh, shit. Is Bigfeet's penis proportionate? I mean, how big was it? Despite all this, Riggleman would be elected to the United States House of Representatives in 2018, which I think is fine. I... Honestly, think I prefer our politicians to have a fun side hobby like weird erotica. And <laughs> he also has a very cute Australian Shepherd puppy that he named Wisco Tango Foxtrot or WTF. Aww. Don't like him too much. Full disclosure, he was a Republican running in the district where the infamous Unite the Right White Rally took place, which is the one where a particularly large piece of shit neo-Nazi deliberately ran his car into that group of counter-protesters and killed one and injured the oh. oh my god. Riggleman was caught campaigning with Isaac Smith, who was the co-founder of the group that organized the Unite the Right rally. He would write a strongly worded op-ed denouncing Unite the Right and said that white supremacists are not welcome in Charlottesville, which is basically nothing, but it was more than our president was doing. The particularly bad luck for Riggleman is he never publicly would say whether or not he supported Corey Stewart, who was the Republican nominee for Senate from Virginia, who's a toxic, disgusting excuse of a human being. But in any event, Riggleman served one term, lost his bid for re-election. Perhaps due to alienating his Republican base by being the only member of the Republican Party to speak on the House of Representatives against QAnon and officiating a same-sex marriage between two of his friends. He's not the worst Republican I've ever heard of. And then quick side tangent again, before getting back to Bigfoot Erotica. You haven't seen this, you should fucking watch that HBO docuseries Q Into the Storm, which is both extremely informative about the complicated mess that is QAnon and also one of the most frustrating want-to-rip-your-hair-out documentaries that I've seen in a long time. But this kitty is yelling at me to feed him. I'm like, you have food. Oh, look at him in the background, though. 
So, please join me in regretting all of your life's choices up to this point as I tell you (laughs) we are living in something of a Bigfoot erotica heyday. Oh, no. With CGI, of course, right? Well, no. Oh, God. This comes from a 2014 article, but I almost cried when I read that Virginia Wade, who wrote a 16-book Bigfoot erotica series called Come for Bigfoot, Oh, fuck. Earns her about $30,000 per month through no. sales. So not only did she take the time to write it, but there are that many people who are reading it. Good for her. The first five books are about 100 pages. So they're small. Wow. Okay. Uh, No, good for her. That is so much. I could write some bullshit. Ugh. I am feeling that I'm wasting my talents. So we're going to talk a little bit more. This article reviewed the seven most popular works of Bigfoot erotica. So I'm going to tell you the highlights. We have got Bigfoot Did Me From Behind, and I liked it. Jesus. No. By Raven Blackbird. Does that go to the lyrics of uh, that Katy Perry song? I, Bigfoot Did Me From Behind, and I liked it. That one? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. I think of. it has too many words, but yeah. They're like, I kissed a girl and I liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The author is Raven Blackbird, which is kind of redundant. <laughs> <laughs> it also gives us this great quote. Which is, you might think, since I fucked the President of the United States, Santa Claus, and the Easter Bunny in recent months, that I couldn't possibly be wooed by a lumberjack turned Bigfoot hunter, but you'd be wrong. Oh, Jesus. Side note, lumberjack turned Bigfoot hunter might be the description of my ideal man. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Work boots. Those boots that are like... This one seems like it's not completely about sex, as it also includes several decapitations. Oh, no. We learn that Bigfoot is 34 years old, named Harold, still lives with his parents. Wait. Has multiple DUIs. Like Harry Henderson. Yes. It's a little bit of a rip-up. It's close. He lives with his parents, has multiple DUIs, has Star Wars bedsheets and pajamas, shades of Marty, but it's nevertheless very talented of sex, which I don't know if that's shades of Marty. Oh, kitty. Thanks for chiming in, Otter. I know, it's so cute. We have Bigfoot's New Mate by Sochiro Irons. This one seems relatively tame, but the author does get a nice jab at her ex-boyfriends when she says, quote, Bigfoot picked up the pants and bra and carefully set them down on the rock next to her shirt. Danielle had to give him credit for that. She'd had lovers step on her discarded clothing in the past. <laughs> what did Sasquatch He cared about her clothing? belongings. He cared about her clothing. He didn't want to get them dirty. Her human boyfriend in the story is apparently very bad at sex. So, so Chiro Irons was in a bad relationship. We then have Bigfoot Depravity by Robert North, but I'm going to put an asterisk by that one as it sounds like the only one out of the seven where the sex is non-consensual. Oh, no. But it does give us this penis description, quote, the bloated belly, which I like a lot. Oh, that was it. I was was expecting more. No, it's just Uh, apparently they use that a lot. The bloated bellin happens a lot. Okay. <laughs> to celebrate Pride Month, we bring you Bigfoot's Gay by Candy Banger, in which we learn that Bigfoot is gay. And we get this gem. Quote, The one thing that he didn't move was his penis. He couldn't move it behind the tree because it was too long. You know what? <laughs> I would almost agree with that 
Which Just part? based on the lack of sightings or the uh, verifiable sightings. Biologically. Anything about his penis. Biologically, it should be... Or is it hairy, do you think? No, I'm not so? talking about the penis. I'm just saying, like, if, if Bigfoot was oh. gay, they're killing themselves. Right? Oh. 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 Dwindling population. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Oh, that is a problem. Well. I mean, by all means, do what you want to do, but... Yeah. Honestly, you don't need to carry on the population if you don't you want to. You know what? Just be happy. Don't have kids just to have kids. That's the worst idea. <laughs> There's plenty. Trust us. Oh, God. Adopt, don't shop. <laughs> yeah, like steal an Albert Osman and take him to your cave in a sleeping bag. He can be your child. I was going right. to say, I didn't shop for mine. She just happened. If if you're <laughs> having trouble, you don't need to spend exorbitant amounts of money to have your own biological progeny. There's plenty out there. There are a lot of kids that need homes. Yeah. Mine and was stable a parents and all of that. I it's was fine. also a surprise. As my brother, nine years later, so my parents <laughs> learned nothing. All right. So the next one, this author of this article gave a five out of five to, and I'm very intrigued by actually. Oh, God. It's called oh, Boffing Bigfoot, and it's by... Anne L. Probe. <laughs> no. The protagonist. Jesus. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, it took me a minute. It took me a minute, too. Uh, the protagonist is Amy Rush, quote, a young woman who lives in a small brownstone off Central Park and masturbates constantly. Jesus. Amy's masturbation exploits are apparently well known, and she's recruited by the government to have sex with as many alien species as possible. In order to learn about them. And so what we learn about Bigfoot is that he understands, but does not speak English, and is really good at oral sex. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. And then the last story she reviewed... that is that sagittal crest in those jaw muscles. Oh, my God. The, oh, my... Christ. It is those jaw muscles. Oh, my <laughs> God. You figured it out. Ah, ah. Nailed it. Ah, uh, ah. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not, but okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> well, the last story she reviewed was Come for Bigfoot, which is that story that's earning Virginia Wade 30000 a month. Apparently, it's a little blasé, though, if you've read the other six first. I think you should go with Boffing Bigfoot. Or, I found this one on Amazon. It was published after this article came out, so it wasn't reviewed. But now I know, and you all get to know, that there is a hillbilly horror erotic comedy series. Hillbilly horror, horror erotic, erotic comedy, comedy series. Dun, 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 dun. That sounds like a lot like the words you're trying to use tonight. I don't understand it. I'm not quite sure what it's like either, but in book one, our hero, Skeeter Lehman, oh, fuck. he's just a Seriously? boy. Nope. Also the author's name. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He has his first encounter with Bigfoot as a boy, and he also has his first encounter with cuckolding. And this masterpiece is entitled, Bigfoot banged my mama, made her squirt on a picnic table, and cucked my daddy while I hid in a tent and watched. No thanks. And he very obviously has a cuckold fetish because his other two books are about a troll and about an alien, respectively, who come down to fuck his hillbilly buddies or a church choir. And um, oh, for fuck's sake. Skeeter, our hero, is forced to watch and clean up the aftermath. Like, how much of your research went into this portion? Uh, 25%. Sorry, Teddy. I just was reading, like, 
reviews. I wasn't even reading the real thing. But sure. Skeeter had to clean up everything, which does is a callback to Petronilla from Alice Hightower, <laughs> who had to clean up all the demons. Oh my God. Too. No. But Skeeter was never burned at the stake. I could go on. I'm dead. But I won't. I'm on page 13 of the script. And I want to say I have written zero pages of my dissertation of yet, but I wrote 13 <laughs> pages on Bigfoot. She continues to write into I the teens on that. every episode she has. Uh, so, you know, that's what I have about Bigfoot. Any comments? Complaints? Worries? Well. I worry maybe this is why Bigfoot is hiding. Honestly, yes. <laughs> Bigfoot is smart. He doesn't want to, like... He's like, no, you're a different species. We don't do that. I'm sure they're all white girls. We can't fuck with these white girls. <laughs> oh, Jesus. The PNW. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, right? Who else lives there? Yeah, no, I see why Bigfoot is hiding. Because there's a yeah. lot happening here. I do have one thing. There a is a... A question? No. So there is a Hulu show right now that's called Sasquatch. Have you guys watched this? Uh-uh. No. Well, is it a documentary? It is. Oh, maybe I have then. I was going to mention this, I think. Is it in Humboldt County? It is. David Hothouse. Okay. I was going to mention this one. I yeah. Okay. So essentially, if you've got three hours of time, there's three episodes. Each is about an hour. It's about David Hothouse, who is an investigative reporter, and he is recounting a memory from his past. So in 1993, he was visiting an illegal, at the time, pot farm near Spyrock, California in Mendocino County. And... There were some other drugs being consumed that evening, according to that story. But essentially, these other two guys, like, come into this, like, bunkhouse almost. And they're telling, like, the guy that's in charge that a few guys had been murdered out on the pot farm by a Sasquatch. And so this investigative reporter then, years later, comes back to Humboldt County and Mendocino County. I think it's called the Emerald Triangle. And well, the Emerald Triangle is Trinity, Humboldt, and Mendocino, but I don't know yeah. what, the, what the documentary is called off my head. It's Sasquatch, it's on Hulu. Oh, it is called Sasquatch. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> But so essentially, it's a good watch. My favorite part of the entire documentary is the first episode, because as he recounts the story where this happened, that he hears, the, you know, overhears the story of Sasquatch murdering people, it's animated to his vocal description. Oh, yeah, it totally is. Oh, my God. I really love. So anyways. It does go against everything we learned about Sasquatch in this episode. <laughs> It has very nice images of Humboldt and Mendocino County. Yeah, it's a cool documentary. Should we talk about astrology? Go for sure. it. Sure. Well, I mean, I'm down for anything. No astrology for Sasquatch in particular, because uh, I don't have a birth date or anything. Because he's not real. And there's a lot of them. And it's not just one. They there's can be any one. of the signs. But if yeah, they were, like I human. bet they'd be a fucking Aries. Horus? Oh. Would it be like a bear? Would they only have birth in spring? <gasps> oh, I don't maybe. Know. Especially if they're yeah. hiding out in the caverns. Yeah. yeah. Gemini's 
and Tauruses. Mm-hmm. Fine. For purposes of this episode, Geminis and Tauruses. All right. We're going to go with that. But I do have some astrology for the upcoming week, which doesn't have anything to do with Gemini or Tauruses. And Meredith, chime in whenever you want. Okay. This episode comes out June 27th, and then on Tuesday, June 28th, the new moon will be in Cancer. And just a side note for our listeners, the new moon always aligns with the zodiac sign that the sun is currently moving through. So we're in Cancer season, it's a Cancer new moon. I'm not even a listener, but I don't understand anything of that. Well, you should be a listener. (laughs) Okay, I'll try. (laughs) Just like, what what was 60-something on this episode? 63. At some point, you should still throw on some training wheels. Like, some, what if someone jumps in at this moment? I have some a training new wheels. I have some training wheels here. Okay, okay, sorry. A new moon is good for new beginnings. Exactly. It's a start of a new lunar cycle. And if it's mm-hmm. in Cancer... The new moon's a good time to reflect on what you want to accomplish over these next four weeks. And with the new moon in Cancer, this is a great day for inner contemplation. So Cancer's less of an action-oriented, extroverted sign, so it's more about how it's feeling and whatnot. Your time is spent better focusing inward. What are you feeling and what does it mean? I know. Cancer wants you to understand your stupid-ass emotions. Bane of a Capricorn's existence. All three of them. (laughs) Plans are optional, callback. (laughs) I say 27, but it's fine. Nope. (sighs) So the new one in Cancer is asking you to shed your emotional armor and allow yourself to fully experience your feelings. This is challenging in the face of certain feelings, but you are supposed to face those feelings so that they don't linger and start controlling you and your future. If you are prevented by doing things you want because of things that happened in your past. I hate the astrology segment. It's therapy segment. Cancer is also super into self-care. So do something special for yourself today as well. Not as much as Taurus, but still. Not as much as Taurus, but still. On the same day, 28th, Neptune will be going retrograde in Pisces. And will remain there until December 3rd. So Neptune is the planet of dreams, inspiration, escapism, and illusions. And so with Neptune going retrograde into dreamy Pisces, we can expect an increase in our dreams and emotions. I had a dream so fucking vivid. (laughs) I always have dreams that are so fucking vivid. But like, it still haunts me. I was like on this like mission to go and find something and bring it back and like grassy fields and everything but then there was this train and as the train was approaching like getting closer across the horizon it wasn't like on wheels or on a track it had centipede legs oh gross that's not a train then it was a centipede train it was a centipede train no 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 you have like a lot of weird pets besides otter that have lots of legs which i think might got you your dreams confused my millipedes are not a centipede though They still have too many legs. (laughs) I'm agreeing with the Irish. Too many legs. Two to four is a limit of legs. Two to four is max. Yeah. So Neptune can be a bit wishy-washy because it can be hard to distinguish your dreams from actual reality. But Neptune's going into retrograde, which should bring clarity, which also brings a rude awakening if one of your beautiful dreams is brought back down to these ugly practicality of reality i literally just remembered that i drew a centipede oh yeah not that long before the centipede dream <laughs> oh. i was like wait a minute 
I drew that, didn't I? And there it is. So, good time to just sit down. What visions did or did not come to fruition over this last year? Can you find some closure for some of these visions? No. Well, if they actually have come to fruition, that's closure as well. And then you could make some space for new dreams and goals to work towards. And Neptune's in retrograde, so it's a good time to set more concrete, attainable goals and to focus less on your lofty goals at the moment. Although it's not bad to say to have lofty goals, but you can break down your lofty goals into smaller, more manageable steps. Yeah. And then lastly, Saturday is also the birthday of our very first guest, Marty Party. Marty, happy birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. Cancer and emotions, Marty to a T. (laughs) That's all I have. Okay, so I have a couple extras on Monday, June 27th. You talked about the new moon, but we are also going to have the sun in Cancer Square with Jupiter in Aries, as well as Venus in Gemini sextile with Jupiter in Aries. So so for the square, it's going to be an important time to remember to keep your expectations low. Don't expect too much. <laughs> Which honestly, it it runs right into Neptune in retrograde. It, it runs does. right into plans are optional. That too. Keep your expectations low. Less is more in that case. And then for the sextile, know your limits, but try to be generous and social. So that's a little bit of that Gemini energy. Gemini side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's actually a lot more stuff going on this week but i'll just cover two more things so friday july 1st mars and aries is going to be square with pluto and capricorn and so the start of july for us is going to be a, a little bit tense and we're going to see some power struggles like within ourselves and then within our relationship so just be aware of that and then on saturday july 2nd mercury and gemini will be trying which is great with saturn in aquarius and this is going to mellow us out a little bit and it gives us some really positive energy and logical energy to help solve problems and then mercury and gemini will also be square with neptune and pisces on this day and even though squares are supposed to be bad this square is not so bad. It just means that it's going to be a little bit of a dreamy day, thanks to that Pisces energy. Do, do, do. As long as we don't do anything, right, you're going to be fine. So just stay the fuck home. Be lazy. Take a nap. I like not doing Be things. a Pisces. Yeah. Be a Pisces. Just sleep stay a bunch, the fuck at home. Daydream and mm-hmm. sleep dream. Yes. And then journal it and then analyze it later. Yes. Yeah, don't worry about Absolutely. it now. But yeah, that's all that I had. Before you guys sign off, I just want to say thanks for having me on. Thanks for being sure. here. I'm going to hold you to one more though because I wrote an additional script with you in mind. So I would like to ask you to come back one more time so I can share that script with you. I, uh, I think I'm busy that day. <laughs> Oh no. Okay. No, I would love I would love to come back. I'm joking. I would absolutely love to come back. I just almost cried a little bit because I put a lot of effort into it. (laughs) No. No, 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 don't do that. Uh, We anticipated doing two episodes tonight, right? So you could get your TCT prize. Well that didn't work out. 
It's two episodes worth. Well, you're going to do one and just do two half stories, and we both wrote 13-page scripts, so we fucked up. (laughs) I do have a script prepared. It is about hockey. But I will absolutely be back for that. If you would like to reach out to us, we are on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, Facebook TCT Podcast. Email us directly at truecrimetrine at gmail.com. And then check out our website, www.truecrimetrine.com. Which I have done a little bit of work on. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. I have last week's episode on. I will be going back to put the past episodes on as well, but I'm starting... Last week, I'm going to try to keep it up forward, and I've scheduled some tweets and Instagrams, so follow Excellente. us. All right, I just forgot about a quote, so I just looked one up. This is advice from Sasquatch. Okay. Nice. So I have advice from Sasquatch. Be yourself. Embrace mystery. Spend time in the woods. Be gentle on the earth. And live a legendary life. Oh, I have a shirt with Sasquatch on it. And it says, believe in yourself even if no one else does. I saw that one too. There's also a shirt here that just came up that said, Yeti or not, here I come. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Ah, uh, So, Andy, join us in the bye. How, wait, hold on. How do I do the bye? Bye! 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 bye. Oh, is this, hold on. Is this where it comes from? Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.